Welcome to Cisco Champion Radio. Today we'll be talking about edge compute with Brian Kelly from Panduit. Our Cisco Champion hosts today are Jeff Levensailer and Steve Kostick, and a special guest appearance from Peter Jones. As for me, I'm Brett Shore from the Cisco Product Marketing Team, and I'll be playing the part of moderator. Brian, if you could introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about your role at Panduit, that'd be a great start. Yeah, my name is Brian Kelly. I'm uh, the manager of network architecture research uh, for our research and development department, and uh, been at uh, Panduit for about seven years now. I've uh, worked extensively with uh, Cisco. I think I've written 14 or 15 papers now with Cisco, uh, Cisco collaborating with Cisco, and uh, I'm starting to get into this edge compute stuff here. Great, fantastic. Now, Jeff, can you tell us who you are, where you are, and what you do? Yeah, Jeff Levensailer. I'm out of uh, Los Angeles, so I didn't have uh, far to come. I'm a consulting engineer with Presidio Network Solutions, predominantly doing collaboration, but I'm getting more and more into doing uh, being a generalist, being a developer, and I'm actually doing a, a edge compute project right now. So it's pretty interesting. Great. Now, Steve, you, who are you, what do you do, and where are you? I'm Steve Gostick. I live in Rochester, New York. Uh, I work for a utility called Avangrid, which is a subsidiary of a Spanish company called Ibadrola. And I work as a network engineer in the data center. I maintain two, actually, data centers, one in Rochester and one we're moving to towards Orange, Connecticut. And been working some projects related to edge compute. Um, in addition, I've been doing some substation work, so I do a lot of NERC SIP compliance as well. Great. Uh, Peter, same question for you. Who are you? What do you do? Um, I'm Peter. <laughs> and I'll be Peter. But seriously, I'm Peter Jones. I'm a Cisco Distinguished Engineer. Um, I used to mainly focus on switching. I now my, my boss owns all of enterprise hardware, so switching, routing, wireless, and industrial. I also do a bunch of work with people like Panduit about evolution of infrastructure. So what actually happened was I was up in Chicago a while ago on a workshop about Singapore Ethernet, and I'm running to Brian. It's like, what do you do? Oh, you do that stuff. You know, it'd be awesome to come and have him talk about the stuff we have to build because we tend to ignore all the physical infrastructure, and it sort of matters. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Now I'm going to pass it over to you, Jeff, to get things kicked off and started. Yeah, so let's talk about what edge computing is. What? Why is it becoming so popular? What kind of applications are you seeing? Yeah, so... Basically, edge compute is is an architectural shift from a centralized architecture to a more of a hybrid distributed model. Uh, what we're seeing is for the last 10 to 15 years, we've had the well, probably even longer than that. We've had a, a centralized data center. So, it, you know, previously it was on prem mostly. Now there's a lot of cloud, uh, but it's all centralized. So it's all the data is all going back to one location. So you mean it's sort of like when you had bureau computing. Yeah, <laughs> because it is, know, it, it in is our business, right? It's tidal, right? We we swing in and out. It is. It's it's absolutely a pendulum. It swung towards, uh, you know, it was more distributed, then it went more centralized, and now it's kind of swinging back more towards a distributed model. Um, you know, and and basically what what you're seeing is that uh, a lot of applications require lower latency. So what they're doing is they're moving the compute closer to the end user. And that, that provides a lot of benefits. Uh, you know, obviously, the lower lowers the latency, uh, creates smaller footprints. Uh, it, it's, uh, Just checking. Do you mean the end use or the end thing? The end use, maybe. Yeah, right a lot word. of times it's the end thing. Yeah, the end thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it could be either or. I mean, I think end use is probably yes. the, uh, the, the better way to say it. Users, it's not necessarily a user. It's often not a user, right? It's, it's yeah. a thing. It's a device it's that's sitting out use. there. Yeah. And uh, so uh, it enables a lot of things like fog computing, where you're doing... Uh, you're doing some light processing at, at the edge, and then you're sending some information to a centralized because, data center. Because fog is just a cloud that's close to you, right? It is, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, 
it's a fallen cloud. No, I don't think it's a fallen cloud. I mean, if you come from San Francisco, it just it's a cloud yeah. that's close to you, right? Yeah. Now, with edge computing, do you have or incur additional financial costs because you're moving some more infrastructure out closer to the edge point? So uh, that's hard to determine as of right now, but. I actually foresee it being more cost effective because data center space is extremely expensive, uh, whether it's on-prem or you're doing cloud compute. These these types of uh, edge data centers are going to be in non-traditional spaces. So you, it may be out on the factory floor. It may be uh, out in a manager's office for a retail store. It may be actually out in a farm field outside. So most of these places have some gear already. So, I mean, the simple one to think about it is you look at the SPs. They used to have all these uh, central offices, right? Big buildings full of stuff, right? All that stuff's been replaced by pretty small devices. So now they just rack them up with a whole bunch of like a service. Now they can start distributing workloads. So these guys are doing that external processing. Otherwise, they'd have to go and build like a boatload of big data centers. And what would they do to the real estate? Yeah. Or at a very simple place, let me look at a branch. You've got a branch that's sitting out there. I know uh, at least some of our customers in the branch core, they'll have a rack of stuff. If I can add another one IU in the rack and then improve application performance and reduce my WAN cost, it's a pretty clear benefit. Absolutely. Uh, Cord is a huge uh, initiative. Uh, I don't know if you guys have heard of that. It's central office re-architected as a data center. So like Peter was saying, they have all these central offices in all these different towns. Well, actually, the central office isn't very central. <laughs> and the central office is normally, what, within 15 miles? Of oh, the it's, uh, well, it depends on how uh, you know urban the area is. Yeah. In an urban area, you, you'll have five in a town sometimes. Uh, so in a more rural setting, you might have one every 15 miles or something like that. But, but there's these places, they own the real estate. There's now a huge amount of space. There's lots of power. So they can go and put all the services selling you sitting out there close to the user. Otherwise, what would they build, right? The the other way of doing this just doesn't work. Now, most, I think that's sort of the intermediate case, but then you go push it out to the edge. Let's imagine you're doing something in an industrial world, right? I want to back all analytics to a cloud. You want me to go and get like a 10 gigabit a second link for this thing? Or should I summarize it and send back the useful things? So I think about this in a lot of cases, it's like a distributed intelligent agent. Here, go and do this stuff close to you. Let me know when it doesn't work. Yeah, I think, like you said, it's a pendulum. It, it swings both ways. I think right now it's getting to more of an edge application. I'll give you one example. At DevNet Create, uh, they introduced GPU at the edge for artificial intelligence and uh, video analytics. This is stuff that's very simple with an API going to the cloud back and forth. But do you really need to pump all that data through uh a 4G link. I mean, that's going to consume what, a lot what's of... What's your WAN bandwidth look like and what's the latency on that thing? Right. And these things are going to be pushed further and further out. And, you know, what if it, we're talking about uh, a stadium or something that we're highly condensed? So having a GPU on the edge device is really advantageous to just push off analytics to the stuff that's already computed rather than push all the data. But it's not just the analytics. You also get to do local response. So I can basically give you a policy to say, hey, go do this thing. So what you want to think about is you want to move the workload to the right place. Some workloads live on the edge. Some might be on the WAN gateway from a business. Some might be back in the cloud. You want to right locate the function. Yeah, I think that's a big point too, is that I always say that it's a it's a hybrid distributed model because it's not replacing cloud. It's it's going to supplement cloud. It's not it's not going to be like where uh, a lot of people have thought like, oh, the on-prem data center is gone. Now it's all cloud. Uh, it's not going to be that that definitive. It's going to be a, a you know a, a well, hybrid model. Are you suggesting that we can't just rush to the next yeah, brand yeah, shiny yeah. new thing? We've had this conversation in another uh, another arena too. Uh, yeah, it just it doesn't happen overnight. So this is I would say uh, you know maybe like. 13, 14 years ago, you heard this word cloud and you're like, eh, that's a buzzword, whatever. That's where Edge is right now. You know, 10 years ago, it was kind of like, oh, everybody's talking about cloud now. And now it's like, 
every day you use the cloud. Whether you know it or not, you're using the cloud. I mean, I would say I've been here on Edge for like four to five years, reasonably seriously, maybe a little longer. And when we originally architected the Catalyst 3850, we had in mind at that stage, this is 2006, I wanted to run compute applications out there. So I think if the cloud was 13 years, I think Edge Compute's probably about five years in. So it's close to the holy hell, this actually makes a difference to my application. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of attention by all providers, you know, right. in and the last some year. There's simple too. things, right? For a long time in the branch, we've put core managers and stuff out in the branch. That's an edge compute function. I mean, so Cisco has ENCS, it's an edge compute platform. But what I think you're going to see is that, as Brett says, the stuff is going to get located where it's most effective. So it used to tend to be in the DC or maybe at the Wayne Gateway. Now we're going to see a whole bunch of applications which just get right located. And the other thing that's nice about this is I have the same application. Maybe I start it in the cloud, and as I have capacity building, I'm just going to relocate it. So if you architect your system properly, you don't have to change. There's functions. You can locate the functions where they make sense. So maybe maybe the analytic function starts off in a cloud, but then as infrastructure becomes available, I move it out. So I don't have to do a bank. I don't have to go and say, well, I can't deploy this thing until everyone has edge compute. That's true. I can yeah. right locate it, and I can evolve the network. Yeah, and as, as the edge becomes more evolved, you can push more and more load out to the edge, and then you don't have to have as big of a centralized data center, whether it's on-prem or cloud. Or even a very simple thing. Let's say I have, I mean, I come from Australia, right? So we have, you know, we have capital cities and we have country towns. So let's imagine what I start off is, I, is when I go refreshes, right, I can get the capital cities really easy. So I'm going to go through these guys, I'm going to put it there first. Now, the function has to be the same for all the branches. So initially, the guys out in the edge, or maybe I do the edge first in the middle. I can have the same function, but I can locate where I have the physical capacity. It doesn't have to be the same. You know, whether it's a ENCS, whether it's a UCS server, whether it's a blade in something else, if I can deploy the application in whatever infrastructure I have, that's an awesome story. Yeah, just walking around the Cisco campus here, they have the TACOX operation outside. Do you view that as like a version of this edge compute? I actually haven't had a chance to see yes. that yet, but yeah, it probably is, yeah. Yes. So let's imagine that they're deployed to Columbia, right? And their uplink bandwidth is a bit dodgy. Yeah, they're going to want edge compute. I mean, you always, you know, ideally you're at the double level, right? You're doing local summarization action and cloud backhaul. Let's imagine your, your cloud connection breaks, right? Then you're in trouble. So I was actually in a Cisco office the other day. I won't mention the office. So I was doing a presentation to some SEs. And we started off in one room and I plugged in the HDMI and I'm off presenting and then the room got full. So we moved next door and it was their nice big trading room. So they'd just gone and upgraded it to all the new fancy stuff. So there was a slight problem. Um, I could, my proximity didn't work and their WAN link was out. So I couldn't actually protect on their screen because they didn't have the local backup, right? So the ability to do survivability of a reduced function, even when your cloud connection goes, is really important. Well, I think that also depends on your service provider or what's available out at that particular location. And the satellites, what's what's out there and what you're willing to pay. Sure. But if you get to the stage where you can say, I can locate this function at the appropriate scale in all these places, then you have choices. We're not forcing you into the do it centrally or do it on the edge. So who was the utility company? It's called Avangrid. Okay, so for instance, let's say you're there. Let's say you get a you go to a cloud and you actually have all your control out of the cloud and your cloud link goes down and there's a problem at your electrical site, right? This is not a good thing, right? When when something blows up, you really want to do local action on it. So the ability to go and have that distributed action, I think, becomes really important. Also, if I can summarize things and report more efficiently, then I'm not using your WAN bandwidth. Absolutely. Yeah, that's 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 the edge. The value of the edge. So you said physical infrastructure. So yeah, what do you mean? No, yeah, no, let's, let's talk about physical infrastructure. So um, one thing I wanted to talk about was uh, content delivery network, CDNs. Are you guys familiar with? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's actually really the original edge compute uh, application. You know, basically 
you know, if everybody remembers back the late 90s, you know, the, the video downloads were, uh, were slow. Horrific. They were like buffering all the time. That was because you were going from a centralized location. So you like if you were, say, here in San Diego, downloading a video from London, you're probably going to be at 300 milliseconds, maybe more of uh, latency, you know, uh, as, you're, as you're downloading the video to play. What they did is they actually distributed those videos. So they would upload the, they'll upload the origin server uh, in London, and then the CDN has a network that pushes it out to the edge of their network. So if you're in San Diego, you're downloading it from San Diego. You're not downloading it from, from you know, anywhere else in the United States or in London or wherever. So now your, your latency might be 10 milliseconds. So you're, you're seeing a huge end user value for that because your latency is so much less uh, and the performance performance is just so much better so like now 4k video is available on uh you know download and it and it actually doesn't buffer because you're you're downloading it from your local location so that was really the the original uh you know edge compute application uh some other applications just throwing out a few here um has anybody seen these Amazon Go stores? I, I actually personally haven't been to one, but I've I've uh, I've done a little research on it. You basically yeah. just walk into. Have you gone to one before? I know what they are. Yeah, yeah. I, there, there's not that many around, but you you walk into the store, you grab an item off the shelf, and walk out, and it charges you for it. Uh, so th- they actually have to have very strong compute on site to be able to do that. Of course, Amazon is super secretive, and they don't tell you how they're doing it. That's a uh, Mixture of a lot of different technologies, they say. But uh, the uh, the other one is uh, the Amazon Outpost. Uh, they announced this last year, but basically it's uh, it's an edge compute application that they're managing on site at your site. So it's a cabinet of equipment that's running like a, a localized uh, private cloud or hybrid cloud on your site, and uh, it's perfect for for edge compute applications. How small does that get? I, I think down to like I think they said a half cabinet or a cabinet level so and and can go much larger too so that reduces your footprint and your overall cost for operations yeah so it's 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 really good because some of the um, you know the reasons that you have stuff on prem that you may not want to send it to the public cloud is regulatory uh, you you know you have HIPAA you have a lot of different uh, financial or, or you're the DID yeah the D- <laughs> yeah I was yeah. just actually thinking if they got it down to like two IU that would be really interesting. Yeah, I, yeah. I think they could probably. I'm sure like they could do that. Uh, yeah, because 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 a cabinet is quite a lot for a branch. That's a lot. Yeah, I mean, I mean a half cabinet, uh, you know, or even a quarter cabinet. We actually make quarter cabinets that are 12 RU. No, I'm actually thinking like because most branches yeah, they can like, yeah. they can have a rack of something, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yeah, you could definitely do that. Uh, it makes sense because I'm picturing it in my environment, which are substations, and they are half rack units. And we do have, you know, our infrastructure, router switches, and some edge compute devices, servers yeah. to do some analytics. Yeah, absolutely. And we do have to follow all those NERCSIP regulatories yeah. very heavily. Yeah, and it has to be on site too. Right? Like it, it's something that has to be done yes. there, not sent to the cloud. And done, you know, absolutely. That's why, yeah, the cloud is is not. Part of that equation. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, at Panda, we, we've come up with these four environments uh, for edge compute, and uh, they're uh, highly protected indoor, uh, general indoor, harsh indoor, and outdoor. I'm just going to go through each one of them a little bit. Uh, highly protected indoor. This is like your traditional data center space. Uh, but what what this is is instead of having it 
uh, in uh, a municipality, say like Chicago, you may be sending it out to uh, a suburb or like, you know, say like a town like Kankakee, Illinois, which is is 60 miles south of Chicago. Uh, But there's a lot of companies that are doing edge co-location now. So they're in smaller, like second tier cities. Uh, And then also you have the CORD initiatives. Uh, So these central offices that are re-architected as a data center. They're in, uh, you know, these local towns and they're, it's basically data center space that's just not quite as groomed as a a, a newer data center would be, but it's, it's very close. So you're going to have your data village. It's not a data center, it's the data village. The the village data center. Uh, It's a VDC. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. You just came up with a new term there. I'm I'm, I'm not going to go down that TLA. I can come up with a whole bunch of explanations for it that aren't good. The... uh, but basically, you're going to have all the amenities that you would normally have in a in a data center space. So your your cooling, you know, your um, your power sources is redundant power. Uh, it's going to be very similar to that. The general indoor is going to be more like a retail space or uh, branch office space where it's somewhat protected but not fully protected. So you may not have the the level of cooling that you may need, or you may not have the power the power redundancy that you would generally have in a data center. So you may have to provide that in your in your physical infrastructure to, to make that work. The harsh indoor is going to be like basically in a warehouse or on the factory floor. So is that like, uh, was that your headquarters? You mean, you mean the back room of that headquarters? Yeah. yeah, out in our lab space there on the warehouse. Uh, we, we just put a cabinet there and, you know, and, and it's it's running applications. So so this uh, is this is non-carpeted space. It's As you say, it's a warehouse. It's something or other. Yeah, else. this is not data center space. But, but what you're doing is you're, the cabinet that you put it in is actually providing all the the data center amenities that would normally be provided by the data center. So it's like just a nice friendly cocoon. <laughs> yeah. So when you talk about harsh, you're talking about hardened devices? Yeah. With, without fans so, um, moving? It depends. Uh, so we, we do have cabinets that um, are NEMA 12 rated, so... Um, they, you know, they, they do provide some protection from dust and a little bit from water, uh, but they have air conditioning units on them. So you can use general, uh, you know, it's the same hardware that you would be using in a data center. The cabinet is actually providing that infrastructure, you know, that the, the data center would normally be providing. And I guess that's sort of handy because it means you can repurpose the stuff different places and nothing needs to change. It's just a question of, I took the application from place A to place B Absolutely. and it doesn't know it moved. Yeah, so basically the, the cabinet is providing that infrastructure and you can use your normal normal stuff. Now there is other uh, you know other potentials where the the enclosure may not be air conditioned and the equipment is hardened. So there, there's there's a give and take there as well. So you could just stick stick one of the if you're on a big one you could stick it in a container, right? Yeah, and that's actually a good segue into the outdoor <laughs> environment. Uh, thanks for that, Peter. Uh, so the outdoor environment is going to be. I'm basically, just going to be the straight man. That's my job. <laughs> yeah. The uh, the outdoor is going to be basically out in the extremes. So uh, you not only need to think about the normal stuff that you might think about with a, a, a harsh environment. Yeah, when I think of edge, I think of outdoor, extreme, ruggedized. Yeah. And I'm, all these advents of technology, you're pushing more expensive things to the edge outside. Yeah. Wait, wait. So more expensive things. Let's say I do this and I'm supporting a, like a mining truck or I'm supporting a, a big electric shovel. The cost of the compute is trivial. If you think about it, doing like autonomously driven mining trucks, effectively you're doing some edge compute. Right now you can argue where it is, but that truck is worth a lot of money. So yes, the technology might be more expensive, but the asset is huge. 
Like, let's say, let's say I did it with one of your substations. Okay, so let's uh, push some stuff out here. What's the value of the substation? Enormous. So I'm getting the point. This this is a right locate the workload, right? And we need to get people away from it's going to cost me money to what's the benefit. I mean, one of the things that annoys me about our whole industry is we come back to what does it cost. What I'd like to tell is the value story. Because I, I Well, no, I can make TCO zero. I'm going to turn the entire thing off. Cost you nothing to operate. Yeah. But the business fails. So as an industry, we need to go and tell the value story because no one wants to be a cost center. So in this case, I moved something out, but maybe now my control of my truck, I can autonomously drive the trucks. Maybe I reduce accidents, right? Maybe I, I, I get 15% more out because I don't have a closure. That's an enormous business value. So yeah, when you're out in the full exposure to, to everything, you have to think about a lot of different things. You, have, you know, the cooling is going to be a part of it, but if you're in Northern Canada, guess what? Heating is going to become a very big issue. Uh, so again, you, you, there's a couple different ways you can do it. You can build like a container that's actually providing the data center space, and then you could put normal equipment in it, or you could go with more of a, just a hardened enclosure and then have hardened servers and, and you know switches within that that enclosure. So it's it's a really interesting. It's a wide open it's a wide open field right now. I mean it's uh, you know it's it's in its infancy. So it's really cool. Now, as far as like NEMA devices, are you incorporating that into the equation at yeah. all? Yeah, yeah. So uh, we have a NEMA uh, 12 in, uh, cabinet right now, and we're working on NEMA 4 and NEMA 4X as well, uh, enclosures. And we do have uh, other enclosures, like the, the smaller enclosures, not cabinet level, but uh, enclosure level that uh, are NEMA 4. I'm just thinking this through. This is a really interesting way to start deploying things in a hurry. It's a bit like if you had to go into a second world country, Okay, so now I can start to drop in, drop in stuff and see if it works before I have to go and build the buildings. Absolutely, yeah. No, that's that's a good point. You know, second and third world countries. You know, you, you don't have the the infrastructure that we we become accustomed. To, you know, in in the U.S. And, and I assume you could stick it out there and run it off a generator and basically run a satellite uplink. Absolutely, yeah. Well, I mean, satellite maybe not, but uh, yeah, I suppose you could. Yeah, for sending it back to the cloud. Yeah, absolutely. You're going to do most of your heavy compute local. So yeah. Absolutely. So it just, I mean, it becomes a way to deploy things that wasn't possible originally. Absolutely. No, I like that local summarization with cloud backhaul. Yeah. Do what you can. Distributed intelligent agent, right? This is the guy who's supposed to do stuff. So the cloud is going to instruct him what to do. He does it locally, does local responses he needs to, and then backhauls information as he needs to. So you might update the algorithm, run some updates to the application itself, but most of the workload is going to be done local. Uh, the so, results way, are going to be. You want to know the classic version of um, edge compute? CDN. Virus scanning. Virus scanning. Okay, so think about virus scanning, right? How that works. What you do is, is you have like the Symantec. They have this huge analysis central engine. They get a bunch of rules to detect virus. They push Perfect. it out, and they you do distributed compute. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That's what it is. I mean, ETA is sort of the same thing, right? We basically we do a bunch of analytics in the middle. We end up getting signatures. We push them out to the edge. We do detection, and we, so we're going to do local detection and local correction. That's a distributed agent function. So one of the things that regarding this whole concept is how do you manage that? Yeah, yeah, that's the really hard part. I mean, part. you can have a lot of these edge compute locations in site, but how do you get your whole so arms around that? Remote management is the key to deployment. I mean, it's it's amazing. Uh, the scale that you could potentially have uh, and the distance that you would have uh, from where you could send a guy out. So you may have... Hang on, I'm just being picky. If I'm in a really DC cloud environment, I've got like three or four data centers around the world, right? I'm moving workloads around. Okay, so now I have the same number of servers, but they're just in different places. So yes, your rules that where you move workloads around get a bit smaller. So think about it from a, a 
data center tech aspect. So you, you have four mega data centers where you have hundreds of data center techs that are able to, to manage these and maintain these. Now you have thousands you know, of, of sites and you have nobody that can but, go out okay, for the manage, five hours. Management gets interesting, right? So if we think about orchestration, right, most of the management work has when, when workloads spin up and spin down, that's all automated. So yeah, your management work is a little different. This is more on the physical infrastructure sure. side. So like a server has to be rebooted. Oh, you mean, you mean it's like dealing with a, with a branch? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's basically what it is. Uh, so yeah, you, you, know, you either want to have it so easy that uh, Nancy from accounting can go over and, and reboot the, the server or you have to be able to do that remotely. And uh, that's going to be the, really the key to this whole thing. And, and you know, I know this is an overused term, but the single pane of glass is, is a key to it. And you want to be able to manage all these off of one, you know, one vision. So one let me system. be a bit picky. If I was going to think about this, what I would want is I would want a graceful degrade plan. Right. So let's imagine that you're doing this distributed work and for some reason that thing that does the work fails. All you want to do is then fall back to running it in the cloud because then I can go, I can do reduced performance, I can prioritize and I can fix it on scale. So if you think about this as doing a graceful degrade, I mean, I can basically build up layers of processing, right? And if the, the bottom one fails, all I need to do is move it one level up. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely a, that's a definitely approach you could take or you could have redundancy at the edge too. Sure, I mean, this, okay, redundancy is, is, a, is analog, right? It's the sliding scale. The point being is it's not the case that if this thing fails, if you act it properly, you're still providing the critical service. So you can clearly have a degrade and you move back to the next level. Yeah. So that means you're, I mean, unlike often when you see in, in switching, you know, networking infrastructure in a branch, when it goes down, right, you lose everything. Mm -hmm. In this particular case, right, you can have a redundancy story so the service keeps getting delivered. Yeah. No, that, that, that's definitely a potential. But in some cases, you're going to have applications where it has to be running, on, you know, at the sure, edge. Sure. In this case, you're going to you're going to put the redundancy out on yeah. the edge, right? But yep. that's that is a, you know, your mileage may vary. You have to. But yeah. There is no, no magic. Understand your application. Yeah, it's going to be application driven for sure. Yeah, you have to prioritize if you're using SAP or some financials as your top. Yeah. Some of it might be life safety too. I mean, like in in your industry, like it's got to be got to be done at the edge autonomous driving of a mining truck yes please don't haul it back yeah. to washington because <laughs> because those things like i used to work in a mine site so the trucks were 150 tons with 150 ton load and it takes a while to stop right if all of a sudden you lose the autonomous control yeah, that's not a good thing yeah that's bad so someone was telling me about one of them when they lose it what they tend to do is they, they try and stop but they don't stop right now right so they're going to take a while to stop and they might drift a little bit so these things, when I was working there, there was one case where one ran over a car and didn't notice. <laughs> so there are clearly some workloads for which you do a local local yeah. local residency, but it, it just goes, I mean, it's, what is your workload? What's your priority? This gives you a whole lot of different ways to architect it. Absolutely. Now, uh, can you go into some high OT applications that this may fall into or yeah, absolutely. this all ties in with? Yeah, so, uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know, IoT has a lot to do with sensing and gathering data. So Fog computing so, is... So, I, so that would be IOEE, right? The Internet of Everything Else. <laughs> like, what is the thing? It's, yeah, the internet, it's all the other stuff. Yeah. Is this a Peter acronym? No, the uh, so Cisco used to use the IOE. Uh, no, no, I, I added an E, right? The Internet of Everything Else, right? All the stuff that's not connected yet. They, they, I think they gave up on that about, what, two, three years ago. Uh, they were trying to go with the Internet of Everything. Yes. Yeah. And, I, I just, uh, I don't know what a thing is. I know, nobody knows. What, well, I think that's that's it, the reason that they called it things because it's just... So I'd go back and I'd answer the question of, I split it between IT and OT. So I'm interested in more the building automation side of the house rather than someone's connected fridge. So I think you want to look at industrial and building automation, right? So which is sort of in your world because I said the connected fridge is not my thing. 
Yeah, so I mean, uh, the um, well, I, I guess getting back to Steve's question originally, <laughs> let me just answer that real quick. The IoT uh, applications, fog computing is is number one. You know, obviously uh, collecting as much data as you can at the edge, lightly processing it, and then sending it to the cloud is 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 really the key to to uh, to edge compute. I mean, so if you go a variation of that is if you go look in, there's a whole trend to convert the industrial side of the house, which Rockwell and Cisco yeah, and Panja, we work together with Converge Plant-Wide Ethernet, because those machines are expensive. Everyone wants to do you know, predictive failure analysis and everything else. So it makes perfect sense that inside your factory, you're going to basically get the analytics directly off the devices. You're going to locally crunch it, then you're going to backhaul. Right? Yeah. And I, these machines are worth millions of dollars. Yeah, IIoT is a, is a huge deal, uh, industrial IoT. Uh, and, and they actually kind of already do this on the, on the factory floor. They have tons of sensors that collect data that is sent up and analyzed, but it's going to go even beyond that because you know uh, we actually have a predictive maintenance uh, uh, POC that we've done on our factory floor, and uh, it took humidity sensors, vibration sensors, sensors that not were not already on the floor, and collects that data and has been doing analytics on that. It's it's uh, and, it's going to be really interesting. So that's very cool. What did you get out of it, right? What did it deliver? Because so, we, we don't just do stuff for fun, right? Yeah, absolutely not. No, the uh, the predictive uh, maintenance. Basically, you can you can big uh, build algorithms uh, and see patterns where you can say this motor is going to fail in 30 days. So if you have a, a scheduled downtime in the next 30 days, you want to change this motor out because it it's got it's got 30 to 60 days left on it, and you don't want that to go down while you're actually operating. You want that to go down while you have a scheduled downtime. What's just out of curiosity, and don't tell me anything. So, what's your guess as to what you know unplanned outage per hour costs you guys? Oh my god! Is it is it it's, ones of millions, tens of millions? Uh, it's at least in the ones. Yeah, I mean, it's when you when you have outages like that, it just it's insane. I mean, in, in your guys' industry as well. I mean, it's probably in the tens of millions in your industry. So your point, your point earlier about stuff costs money. If I can reduce that, if I can like take my outages, unplanned outages down twenty five percent in a year, you pay for that. Oh yeah, ten times, ten times over. <laughs> they're, they're, he's he's looking bemused. I think. So Jeff, you said you were doing an edge compute project. What's yours? So uh, private LTE with uh, fire apparatuses to stations with uh, cat alerting. So I'm learning about where to put things and how to secure them and i thought i heard you say cattle herding (laughs) (laughs) pretty much no i'm visiting all these stations and doing surveys and putting uh cradle point routers in hardened uh boxes and all the networking behind that so what's the in that case what's the goal i mean obviously it's a cool thing to do what's the what's the benefit to that organization oh well like bring them to an ip network they're using uhf radio so it (laughs) won't take a lot to (laughs) you know impress them in the fire trucks because they're going to have a big upgrade either way it sounds you'll have a template once you build one you'll be able to multiply that that is true if they hadn't uh been getting different parts from different places and uh working together at the start so Every place is a little bit different in this oh, project, you have, but you have snowflakes. I so do you, have some snowflakes so, out there. So what you're saying is that everyone got this big bin of Lego parts and they all put it together themselves. Pretty much. So, <laughs> uh, the template that you're talking about—that's a great idea. I wish uh, that would work out. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a great idea for 15 yeah. years ago. 
Oh, once you develop your proof of concept, yeah. Yeah, that so, one success story, then you can replicate that. And yeah, they're going to go pretty quickly, and we'll deal with the snowflakes as they come up. But So you wanted to have a chat to my... I've got some friends in Cisco IT, and so Cisco IT used to be quite conservative because they would focus on never having an outage, but now they've been chartered to go be customer zero. So they're in the process of working out how to roll out all that new stuff throughout Cisco's IT network, which is pretty large. And one of my friends says, is they are ruthlessly standardizing because snowflakes, they just can't afford. So they got the same problem, right? Everyone built it up over the years. And what they're doing right now is they're just ruthlessly standardizing because that's what they can deliver. So, and that's, that's a cultural change, but it matters. Absolutely. I, th- I think I think we've beaten them down. They, yeah, they, seem, they seem to be I done. They're, they're, they're trying to show us off here. <laughs> all right, then. let's close it out. Then. So this has been another great episode of Cisco Champion Radio. I want to thank all of you for joining us today, especially to Brian Kelly for sharing his insight, and Jeff, Steve, and Peter for hosting today's session. Look for this episode and other episodes on iTunes and cisco.com slash go slash CCR. I'm Brett Shore, and I played the part of today's moderator. I'll see you next time.